Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to investigate the Scriptures with me for a few moments as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. If you'll examine the many passages to do with the Kingdom of God and the teaching of Jesus Christ, you'll be driven, I think, to one conclusion. Jesus spoke of the Kingdom as the great event of the future. At the beginning of his ministry, he declared that the kingdom of God was at hand and that everyone was to repent, reorientate their life to a new horizon, and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, Jesus stated with absolute clarity that the underlying purpose of his whole mission as a preacher was to announce the coming of the kingdom of God. That's the reason why God had commissioned him. Luke 4 and verse 43. As we proceed through the Gospels, we find Jesus in Matthew 7 verse 13 saying, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. And then in verse 21 Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who are practicing lawlessness. You see there that entrance into the kingdom of heaven will be at the time in the future when Jesus meets these people face to face. It is in that day that the kingdom of heaven will be entered, or alternatively barred to the wicked. The righteous will enter the kingdom of God in that day, and the wicked will be prevented from entering it. They'll be cast into the outer darkness. That's exactly what John the Baptist had said in his opening preaching in Matthew chapter 3, he had commanded, as Jesus did after him, repentance, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Matthew 3, verse 2. And in verse 12, he goes on to speak of the good being gathered like wheat into the barn of the kingdom, while the evil are burned up as chaff with unquenchable fire. You see, the kingdom of heaven there is the end point. It's the destiny of man in the future. Entrance into the kingdom of God will happen only at the second coming of Jesus when he makes that dramatic decision to include some in his kingdom and to exclude others, we cannot go far in the Gospel of Matthew without noting yet another text which describes the kingdom as the great event of the future. In Matthew 8, verse 11, Jesus said, I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west, and they will recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see there that the kingdom of God means a time coming when the patriarchs will reappear, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and they'll be sitting at the table with Jesus in the kingdom of God. Once again, the kingdom of God is future. It's not something that arrived with the ministry of Jesus. It's something to be expected yet in the future. That indeed is why Jesus urges us as his followers to pray, Thy kingdom come. He didn't say, 
thy kingdom spread, as though the kingdom is already here and has to be increased and enlarged. He said, we're to pray thy kingdom come. We're to pray for the future coming of the kingdom of God. Now, further confirmation that the kingdom of God is the great event associated with the second coming of Jesus in the future is found in Matthew chapter 13. In verse 40 of Matthew 13, Jesus speaks of the end of the age. He says that the Son of Man, that's himself, will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. In Matthew 25 and verse 31, we learn that the Son of Man, that is Jesus, is going to come in his glory with his angels, and he will then sit on his glorious throne. The throne of the kingship of Jesus in the kingdom of God belongs to the second coming. And that's exactly what we find at the Last Supper. Jesus said in verse 29 of Matthew 26, I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine, that's the wine of the communion service, from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That day, the coming of the kingdom, lies in the future. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 43, there's an interesting passage and a most instructive one about when the kingdom of God is expected to appear. We read there in Mark chapter 15, verse 43, that Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was also, according to Matthew, a disciple, a Christian disciple of Jesus, Joseph was himself waiting for the kingdom of God. Now, this was after the earthly ministry of Jesus had been completed. You see, Joseph did not think that the kingdom of God had come. He was still waiting for the kingdom of God. And in Luke 21 and verse 31, we find that it's only when the cataclysmic events announcing the end of the age are about to happen, it's only then that the disciples can look up and expect the kingdom of God to come. When they see all these terrible events at the end of the age happening, they're to believe that the kingdom of God is about to come. It's a very considerable mistake of Bible study to suppose that the kingdom of God is the same as the church. The church was certainly baptized publicly in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, and that Pentecost event was a celebration of the fact that Jesus was now at the right hand of the Father and able to dispense his Spirit on behalf of the Father. The Spirit of God came in power on the church, but this was not the coming of the kingdom. In Acts chapter 1, Luke took a great deal of trouble to point out that the coming of the kingdom is not the same as the coming of the Spirit. The coming of the Spirit in Acts 1, verses 5 to 7, was to be an event of a few days ahead of that time. Within a few days you're going to be filled with the Spirit, Jesus told the apostles. But when they asked about the coming of the kingdom, he told them that that was to be at a time unknown. This must prove then to every unprejudiced reader of that passage in Acts chapter 1 that the coming of the Spirit is positively not the same as the event of the coming of the kingdom. The public recognition of the church as the Spirit-empowered body of Christ at Pentecost did not mean the beginning of the kingdom. The Spirit, you see, is the down payment of the kingdom. It's the down payment of the inheritance which is going to come to the Christians at the second coming. It's a mistake to confuse the down payment with the reality that's coming in the future. 
Christians are destined to inherit the world, as promised to Abraham in the great covenant made with him, Romans 4 verse 13, they're going to inherit the kingdom, and indeed they're going to inherit the land, Matthew 5 verse 5. The Christian gospel is based upon the promises made to Abraham. The inheritance promised to Abraham is the inheritance of the kingdom, the inheritance of the world, or the inheritance of the land. Romans 4.13, Matthew 5 and verse 5. Revelation 5 verse 10 tells us quite explicitly that Jesus is in the process of gathering people from all the different nations and constituting them a royal family destined to rule upon the earth. Revelation 5 and verse 10. You see how that text fits beautifully with Matthew 5 verse 5. If you're going to inherit the land or the earth, as Jesus promised in the Sermon on the Mount, you're then going to have possession of the land. You're going to be, in fact, kings with Jesus in the kingdom. That's the whole purpose of Christianity. God, in fact, is a kingmaker. Just as he once searched and found David, a man after his own heart, so he's still looking for those who will come into line with his great plan and purpose, will believe his words, and prepare themselves now through the agency of the divine spirit illuminating their hearts and minds, prepare themselves for future honor and glory and rulership with Christ in the coming kingdom. The prospect, as is popularly presented to the public, of somehow playing a harp on a cloud in heaven in some region far removed from this earth is not in fact a biblical hope at all. Heaven in the Bible is nowhere the destination of the dying. So said a leading biblical scholar in England recently. No, heaven is the place where God now resides. Heaven is the place from which Jesus is going to return. He's coming back to this earth to resurrect the dead. He's going to become the first successful world ruler in Jerusalem, and he invites us now through the gospel of the kingdom to take part in that future rule, the inheritance of the earth, the inheritance of the kingdom, with him at that future date when he returns in power and glory to establish the kingdom according to the promise made to all the prophets and the covenant made between God and Abraham and the covenant made between God and David. The beauty of the biblical story is that it is entirely coherent. There's a golden thread running through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's God's plan in progress. His plan is to restore sound government to this earth. Take a Bible and assume that as a hypothesis. Test that hypothesis against the narrative account of the Bible. From beginning to end, there's a great objective in view, and that objective is finally reached with a shout of triumph and a sigh of relief, I might add, when the kingdoms of this world finally become the kingdom of God. But that's not yet. That's at the seventh trumpet, according to Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 and 18. There are certain key passages, pivotal passages in Scripture, which one must get clear if one's going to understand the drift of the story from beginning to end. Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 to 18, tell us with absolute clarity that the present systems of government existing on the earth are not going to last permanently. There's coming a time when, as the whole of Scripture attests, God is going to change the affairs of mankind on this earth. He's going to send His Son back to be the governor 
in the first successful world government. That's the purpose to which God is moving. That's God's objective, and therefore it should be our objective. The secret to successful Bible study is to come into line with God's revealed mind, and his mind is revealed to us in the pages of the Bible, which really should be called God's love letter to us. If you're finding Bible study a chore or a difficult exercise, it's because you've not been caught up in the story. But try reading the Bible as a kingdom story from start to finish. Watch the extraordinary drama unfold from Genesis onwards. You'll see how God prepared from the beginning to have a son born supernaturally in the womb of Mary. That son was the Messiah, the promised ultimate king of Israel. He struggled with the religious authorities of his day. He was crucified by an uncomprehending group of religious leaders and Roman authorities. Three days later, God reversed his death. God brought him back from death. Yes, Jesus actually died. He was in the grave for three days from Friday to Sunday. But early on that Sunday morning, he rose from the dead in bodily form. The whole man Jesus died and the whole man Jesus returned to life as a model of what is in store for you. If you open your heart to the heart of God as revealed in Scripture, if you repent and are baptized and continue in the faith until the end, the end being the resurrection of the dead at the return of Christ to establish the kingdom, we invite you to request from us our free book on the kingdom of God, a copy of the tape you've been listening to, and join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.